It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hawkeye fans, get ready. It's time for the Hawkeye Nation radio show, powered by the Polk County iClub on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 AM and now 106.3 FM, KXNO. And welcome to the Hawkeye Nation radio show here on KXNO. Andrew Downs with you as always, and I'm joined by my guy. You've heard him on this show a lot. You've heard him on KXNO a lot. A big Hawkeye fan and a uh, new contributor to Hawkeye Nation, Trent Condon. What's up, Trent? Hey, how's it going, AD? Good Um, to see you again and ready to talk Hawkeyes here this football season. Thank you for doing this with me. Uh, We're going to have a big show today. We'll talk with Joe Schmelka. We'll get Chris Williams in here to preview the Iowa State game. And uh, Trent and I will kind of take you through uh, last week's, a recap of last week's game, and then a preview of, uh, of a big game here. And Trent, this is uh, we're, we're kind of already into an important part of this football season. I know we saw this coming, you know, with the the schedule, the first two games against ranked teams, all of that. But it feels a lot more real for me this week than than I kind of expected it to. With Iowa being a top ten team and all of that, you know. And if you would have told me before the season he got one in hand against Indiana, Iowa State would have looked as bad as they did against you and I. I would have been feeling great. Uh, yeah, you told me that in July. Oh, yeah, sign me up. <laughs> And now game week is here, and those butterflies start. Yeah, 80 for where we are. And I know Hawkeye Nation, we span not just the state of Iowa, but across the country and really everywhere with the podcast side of things. And if you don't live in central Iowa, and so many of our listeners, especially in eastern Iowa, they just don't understand this rivalry the way that we do. The Iowa State game, it is not a weekly occurrence that comes up in the second week of September every year. It is 365, 24-7. Cyhawk Twitter, it's a crazy place to go. Yes, it is. The, the back and forth that there is, but I never understood it. You know, living, growing up in North Iowa, Ames is closer than Iowa City, where I grew up. But there were no Cyclone fans in the 80s. That, that's not what it was. It was everybody was a Hawkeye fan. It was about the Hawkeyes. It was about Iowa football and basketball. Iowa State, and this is not to be flippant towards Iowa State, but at that time, they were looked at like you and I was, like Drake was. It was just another school. It was not a big deal. And when you move to Central Iowa, when you make the move, you see very quickly, that's not the way that it is here. You got the guy in the cubicle next to you. He's an Iowa State fan and he will not shut up. And you just deal with it day in and day out. And of course, what we do on the radio side of things, it's a huge part of it. We have a Big Ten and Big 12 school to talk about. We have two major conferences to talk about, at least right now. And because of that, it is part of our everyday life. So, for people outside to say, why why do you guys make such a big deal about it? Because in Central Iowa, 
it's the biggest deal we have. It really is. Yeah, it's so interesting that like that was your experience because I grew up here in the metro, mm-hmm. and it was a thing where every Friday before this game, I mean, everybody is dressed in either Iowa or Iowa State gear, and there were far more Iowa fans than Iowa State, and that that is evened out a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, it's you know Iowa is still the majority of people, uh, but you're right. Like when I went to Iowa and and lived in Iowa City for a couple of years, you just completely lose sight of Iowa State as a as a factor at all. I do wonder how different that is this year with an Iowa State team that's got legitimate national attention with a, a game where, I mean, Iowa wins this game, and we'll get to a preview a little later, but this vaults Iowa into a, a stratosphere that I didn't expect them to reach this season. I mean, if Iowa wins this game, all of a sudden they have probably the two best wins in college football. Mm-hmm. They're a top 10 team, uh, a, a Big Ten West favorite. Uh, you know, people are starting to look at a Big Ten championship game against Ohio State. Is this a team that can run the table? Is this a team? I mean, because you're, you're talking about five and zero going into that Penn State game. If you get through this Iowa State game, and you've got a top ten win on the road, a top twenty win in in your place, and a blowout at that. And so the it, it, and really, I mean, for us here in in Des Moines, who have been dealing with eight months of Iowa State hype mm-hmm. and and legitimate hype, right? They have yeah. three legitimate first-team All-Americans. They they have a very good team returning. All of this, uh, but if if I was able to win this game and kind of usurp all of that hype and all of that uh, you know expectation that's been on Iowa State now for almost a year, and now all of a sudden all of that goes to Iowa, and Iowa is the top ten team, mm-hmm. and Iowa is the team who has a chance to make a you know incredible run and all of this stuff. Uh, that would be a lot of fun for Hawkeye fans who have Cyclone fans in their lives. It absolutely would be. And you mentioned kind of the buildup to the season. This is something, though, that I have struggled with with Iowa State a little bit is the buildup here. They still went 9-3 and three last year. They, the, the I don't want to say overrated nature of it, but yeah. think about teams across college football that would have something similar. First of all, you look at the returning production. Okay, they returned 20 starters from a year ago, but you also look at any kind of list out there. Bill Connolly works for ESPN.com. He's their analytic guy. He has a S&P Plus, which is kind of the gold standard, if you will, for college football metrics. But he also had a, an article this summer talking about returning production across all 130 teams at the FCS level and FBS level. And he brought up Iowa State was 24th on that list. So, yeah, that's still a lot of returning talent, but it's not this ridiculous. When you hear 20 returning starters, you yeah. think, well, that's got to be the most in college football. It isn't because it was such a year weird year last year, and they still went nine and three, and they still lost by seventeen at home to a good Sun Belt team, but still a Sun Belt team. Their win in the Fiesta Bowl came against a four and three Oregon team that had eight guys sitting out that opted out of that game. So you go through and you kind of break it down that way. They're a good team. They're a very good team, and they very well could win Saturday. But the level that it went this summer. I thought the hype went too far. It does kind of feel like it, it may be built on you know pillars of sand where it's like it could all fall apart very quickly. If they lose Saturday, and certainly if they don't look good in a loss, uh, if Iowa State's offense doesn't get anything going, if Brees Hall doesn't have a good day, if if they can't put up some points on Iowa, and if Iowa is able to do to Iowa State, and I don't expect this, but if they're able to win this game comfortably like they did against Indiana or even like they have in the past against Iowa State, this yeah, it really changes the conversation around that that program and that team and that coaching staff, which has just been nothing but high praise for and nationally, not just here locally, but it certainly has been here as well uh, for 
again, eight, nine months now, just as high of praise as you can get. And all of that starts to crumble if uh, if you start your season with a lackluster, you know, hang on by the, you know, your nails win over you and I, and then a lost Iowa at home. Hopefully that happens. Right. Yes, yes. hopefully that happens. We're rooting for that. <laughs> it's the Hawkeye Nation radio show here on KXNO. Andrew Downs and Trent Condon. And Trent, let's look back here before we look ahead. Uh, Iowa's 34-6 to win over Indiana. Um, I guess what, what did, did you expect any anything like that from, from this game? I mean, coming in, we didn't know what to expect from Indiana. Michael Penix was coming off that injury. We thought they had a good team, but there were some questions, kind of like Iowa State, honestly. Yeah. Uh, maybe more questions than Iowa State has just because less established guys and the injury to Penix. But um, I-, I expected a close game. I thought Iowa could win and-, and probably would win. I did not expect Iowa to look like a dominant team on Saturday. You know, I really liked Iowa's chance going into the game. And as you know, I'm a gambler, and you'll see plenty of gambling content coming from me here in Hawkeye Nation in the coming weeks. But one thing going into the game, you look back at Indiana a year ago, of course, every I think everyone remembers game one against Penn State. Was Michael Penix in on the two-point conversion, or did, was he stopped short? You know, that was a big talking point throughout that whole week, and really the whole season is a catapulted Indiana. It's really heights they hadn't been before. You go back, though, to their loss against Ohio State, where they played really well. They were down basically 14 the whole game, but what they were doing in that game is they were just taking shots up the field. It was just jump balls. It was Fry Fogel. You go get it. There was big wide receivers on the outside, and the Ohio State cornerbacks were not very good at that time, and it was a game plan that I thought, well, if that's their best game plan, fine. Because Phil Parker, he has got to be just salivating at seeing that, the way that they play and the way that Iowa plays defensively. So I was very confident going in that game. I'm not the most optimistic fan by nature, but I was optimistic that I was going to win. Now, I didn't think it was going to be 34-6. Now, I was thinking more along the lines of 27-20, 31-20, something like that. I thought I was going to win and cover, but not in that fashion. The two pick sixes. But it led to kind of an odd game. Because they're up 14 nothing right away. They're cruising along. They can really put it in autopilot. Spencer Peters, don't screw it up. And they're going to be fine. You could see, obviously, Michael Penix. He's still got a long ways to go health-wise. It's not the same guy that was out there a year ago. And, and another thing I think people missed, not just him coming back off the ACL tear, but that was the second ACL tear in the last three years. So he's going through the rehab for a second time, you know, mentally where he was, because there were times out there he did he looked like he wouldn't be anywhere else but Kinnick Stadium. I mean, just head down. He knew that Iowa had him cooked. Iowa played about as well defensively as you could anticipate. The offense, though... I still have some concerns after that one. Yeah, so I, I've heard, obviously, you've, you've talked a lot about this game here on, on KXNO and podcasts and other places, and, and there, there's been a lot of talk about Petrus, mm-hmm. obviously, right? That was the biggest question mark coming into this season, and I don't think we got a good answer on Saturday. And the, the I guess the argument is the two sides of this are, well, it's, one is because he's the same guy or he hasn't improved very much, Um and and that kind of flies in the face of everything we heard coming out of Iowa City for the last several months. Uh, and then the other argument is, as you just kind of alluded to, we didn't need to do anything. You know, you, you're up 14 nothing two minutes into that game, and Kirk Ferentz pulls him aside or pulls Brian Ferentz aside more likely and says, don't lose this game. Right. Don't screw this up. We don't need to be going downfield. We don't need to be taking any chances. Throw the ball away if you don't have an open guy. Uh, and and so, you know, was it because of the game or was it because this is what their offense is? And that's, I think, what we're going to see, obviously, moving forward here. I wonder if we'll have to see it uh, because that that's the question. Can Iowa win a game if Spencer Petras 
has to win it for them. Yeah. Now they've won seven in a row with him as the quarterback, mm-hmm. all against Big Ten teams, and a lot of those are lopsided games. I mean, at 23 points per game, uh, scoring differential, I think, something like that. And so this team has done very well, and we've seen – uh, you know, in the Kirk Ferentz era, a lot of Hawkeye teams do very well with a game manager style quarterback, a really good defense, a solid running game, good special teams, not making a lot of mistakes. Now, those teams don't often make runs to the Big Ten championship game, but like Nate Stanley's, you know, three years, they they can win eight, nine, ten games a year, win some bowl games, you know, keep these trophies in, in our trophy cases. And so... It's going to be really interesting to see because there's a part of me that's like, hey, that that's cool. I'm I'm okay with that. Yeah. Uh, but now, as we sit here as a top ten team, and kind of all of these expectations start to to boil up, it's hard not to let myself get to okay. If he is really good, if he is a night and day different player, like we've heard all off season, uh, could Iowa really kind of take this next step? That's what I think we all need to see. I'm a little more optimistic than you, mm-hmm. um, so I, I kind of play it as. Well, they didn't need to do much. Right. That's why they didn't do much. We're going to learn a lot about Spencer Petrus, I think, Saturday afternoon. You know, a lot of people point to the Tyrone Tracy pass. No one is covering Tyrone Tracy, and yes. he underthrows him by a dozen yards. And it just, you can see the frustration from Tracy in that one. And, and that's another part that I think does get a little bit concerning because there were times last year, you go back to that Illinois game where it looked like he was going to be pulled. He, he was trending that direction. He was as bad as a quarterback could be in the first quarter of that game. I was down 14 nothing to the Illini. And then a flip switched. I think he was a drive away from losing his job, from Padilla coming in and maybe being our quarterback right now. I think it was that close, but he was able to rally, came back, and did some of his best work. And going into this week, obviously, that's a huge concern. We'll get into that a lot more. He's playing in front of fans for the first time, opposing fans for the first time. He's a guy that gets very riled up, gets very fired up, and uh, that's something, a component. But when you look at his game overall, there are four drops. Drops are going to happen. You, know, you add those numbers, he's probably 200 yards passing, and the numbers look a lot better. He's 17 to 27. Okay, things are a bit better. Maybe there's a touchdown in there, and we're having a different conversation about him today. But when you look at kind of the little things that always crop up to me, and this is not just a Spencer Peters problem. This is, I think, more than anything, an Iowa quarterback problem. Their pocket awareness is terrible. Yeah. And, and you go back, and even the good quarterbacks, short of Drew Tate, Think of Ricky Stanzi. He was a guy that had some moxie, could move around a little bit. C.J. Beathard, he's an NFL quarterback. His pocket presence, and especially after he started to get banged up during his sophomore year and beyond, it was just terrible. Is that scheme? Is that offensive line? Is that just the way that they're taught? They don't climb the pocket well. And climbing the pocket, moving up in the pocket, stepping into pressure, and then delivering the throw, it's something that Iowa quarterbacks in general just have not been very good at in the Ferentz era. And I see a lot of those things crop up. I thought mechanically, Petrus was much better. That was good to see. Some of those mechanical things that went wrong a year ago, I think those have been cleaned up, but it's a different set of circumstances this week, and I think going forward. And, and to your point, just about Iowa this year, top 10 team. They're ranked now 10 in the AP poll, 12 in the coaches poll. My expectations for the year, because I really like this team, short of the questions at quarterback and defensive line, which I'm sure we'll get to a little bit later too, yeah. just how well that young group and nine different guys playing for the defensive line. But It's about getting to Indianapolis now. They've had plenty of nice seasons. College football, this is a top 10 team in terms of wins over the last five years. But during those five years, they still have not won the West. They still have not got there. Northwestern's been there twice. Wisconsin's been there twice. It's time to break down that door. No more nice 8-4, and 9-3 team. Go to a decent bowl game. Enough of that. This team is too talented, too good 
for that to be okay. Get to Indianapolis. Get your shot against the Buckeyes. If it goes awry, fine, but just get there. That's what this team has to do this year for it to be a success in my mind. Yeah, and and with uh, the way the rest of the Big Ten West started their season compared to Iowa, I mean, Iowa is positioned now to to take the reins here. And uh, I agree with you. That has to be the expectation at this point. Uh, It's time to get back to Indianapolis. He's Trent Condon. I'm Andrew Downs. This is the Hawkeye Nation radio show here on KXNO. We're going to bring Joe Schmelka in when we come back and then bring Trent back to do a little preview of the Iowa-Iowa State game. Uh, You're listening to Hawkeye Nation radio here on 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM. And welcome back to the Hawkeye Nation radio show here on KXNO. I'm Andrew Downs, and I am joined now by uh, my co-host here for a couple of years. He's the uh, the president of the Polk County Eye Club and our fearless leader here at Hawkeye Nation. It's Joe Schmelka. Joe, how you doing, man? Good, buddy. Big week. All excited about it. The weather's fabulous. Life is good, right? Well, yeah, life, life is good. Uh, how, how was it? Were you back in Kinnick on, on Saturday? Did you get to get over there? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, it was, uh, I don't know how to describe it. It's like, you think, you think you haven't missed something, you know, you've missed it a little bit. And then you get in there and back in black and watching the team come down out of the tunnel and the national anthem and, you know, just the whole, the whole thing, the first plays. And it was like, wow, I, I missed that a whole lot more. Than I thought I did. Yeah, I think you you so were you weren't alone in that. Great. Yeah, right. Uh, and and uh, you know, just watching on TV, I wasn't able to get over there. But man, the yeah, the the roar of that crowd certainly at the Goodson touchdown, and then you had that pick six right away, and that the IOWA chant going and going, and uh, seems like it just carried through the entire day. Even though the second half got a little boring uh, from an offensive standpoint, it it seems like the crowd stayed and and uh, was there the whole time. Yeah, I think everybody was was there and pretty excited about stuff. Um, yeah, it, it did get a little boring, but you know, people were kind of down on our offense a little bit. But don't forget, Indiana's got a really good defense. They do. And uh, you know, we made a couple of couple of big defensive plays there in the first half, and you get up thirty-one to three. You're not going to come out and show your whole playbook and <laughs> do a, do a whole lot in the second half. I mean, I think we. Worked on a lot of things. Uh, I'm sure Kirk and the coaching staff evaluated, you know, a lot of the younger players in particular and trying to really figure out who our offensive line is going to be. Um, I sure wish we had shot playing this week at guard, but uh, sounds like he's still still out with his uh, hay bailing accident, his foot injury. <laughs> but, uh, but otherwise, you know, it's, it I mean, totally different game than any of us thought, right? I mean, thought it was going to be a close game, thought it was going to be you know, us trying to really shut down their offense, and uh, and it, it wasn't. We just got on them early and and didn't back off. So it was it was fun. It was great. Couldn't have been a better first game for us, probably, right? Yeah, yeah, I, I agree completely. It was a, it was a lot of fun. I guess the one thing that we didn't get to quite see was yeah that that offense and and kind of Spencer Petras. A lot of the talk in the offseason was how he was a much different player, a night and day different quarterback, is is what Kirk Ferentz said a few weeks ago. And uh, and and so the, I I've seen this week. Joe, I've I've heard some of the the criticism of the offense or the, the worries about the offense, and I get those, and I, th- I think they're founded. Um, but 
I, I see two kind of schools of thought going here. One is that Spencer Petras hasn't really improved, that this offense isn't much different than it was a year ago, and that it is going to be kind of a hindrance to doing the things that, that we all want to see done as Hawkeye fans. And then the other school of thought is, well, they didn't need to do much. And once they got up 14 nothing in the first two minutes, the whole thing was, don't lose this game. Don't throw this away. Don't put it in, in any jeopardy and kind of you know really scale down this offense, tell Petras to throw the ball away, not try anything deep, not bring in those freshman wide receivers that we've heard so much about. So between those two schools of thought, Joe, which one do you kind of subscribe to? You Do you think it was more of the same or do you think it was more of a, a vanilla game plan because of the, the, the way the game was going? Well, from my perspective in the stadium, um, Petra still missed some open receivers. Um, he, he, he seems, I don't, I don't know how you want to call it. He like, he's constantly arm flapping. Like he's, He's constantly, almost like he's faking a throw or his arm is just constantly moving. So he's just going back, holding it there, you know, right by his chin and then being ready to throw it. He's, he just still seems nervous. I don't know how else to describe it. And uh, he can make a really nice play. And you saw him hit Laporta on some really nice pass plays and some different things. He's a really great screen pass. I mean, perfect, you know, timing, footwork and, and things like that. And then... You know, it's it's just like you feel like, gosh, there's a guy wide open, ten, fifteen yards out, right in front of him, and he he just he just he's nervous and he just almost talks himself out of throwing it to him. So, I don't know what to, I don't really know what to think. I I I I'm still not a a hundred percent that he's night and day from where he was last year. <laughs> okay, let's go with that for sure. Yeah, I think I think that's probably a good place to be. I think we will probably learn a lot this Saturday uh, about Spencer Petras and kind of his improvement because at some point, again, if Iowa is going to do the things that we all want them to do, and, and now that we're a top ten team and, and have a chance to put together a really nice first couple of games here, uh, there, there's a lot of expectation and, and a lot going on here. I think I think fans are now kind of, and especially the way the rest of the Big Ten West went. A lot of fans are now looking at Indianapolis as a real possibility, maybe a goal, maybe even an expectation. And so at some point, if I was going to get there, you have to think that Spencer Petras is going to have to step up and make some plays to win a game. And maybe that'll be this Saturday at Iowa State, Joe. Uh, I think that in a in a you know competitive environment where the the other team has a, a rabid fan base who really want to win this game they understand that the stakes uh here in names on saturday uh it's going to be interesting to see spencer peters go into that environment and uh and if he does have to make a play or two to win this game is he able to do it well and does the coaching staff have the confidence in him yeah. to ask him to make that play or you know are you going to see you know, simple plays and screen passes and, you know, passes to the tight end. I mean, that kind of thing. It's like, how much are we going to really rely on Spencer? I don't know that we really want to, you know, that much necessarily. (laughs) But, you know, we threw the ball 27 times in a game that we won. You know, what did we win at? uh, 34-6. Yeah. So it wasn't like like they were, you know, packing it in and not doing anything. Um, He was throwing the ball quite a bit. And like I said, he's – to me, he's just he's a little bit nervous yet, and he's just inconsistent. But hey, first game in front of a big crowd, and a lot of hype around. You know, last week's game too—that was a top twenty team that we played. So uh, I think it's just going to be a great environment. And you know, it's like everybody says, uh, we might be Iowa State and Iowa might be ranked in the top ten. Right now, I'm not sure they're top ten teams. No, you know, we'll, we'll find out. We'll find that out here and. Uh, another month or two we'll see exactly where we are and and how good we are i definitely think we have a 
I definitely think we have a top 10 defense. You know, we talk a lot about Spencer Petras, but you can't lose a game if the other team can't score on you. So <laughs> um, our defense is, I think, you know, defense is always a big key. I really like our defense. I really like our kicking game. And those are two, you know, big components. Uh, field goal kicker looks very confident, really strong leg. And our punter is, uh, you know, he may be one of the best punters in the country. So I think we have an awful lot of good things going for us. And, uh, you know, we'll see. Whoever uh, whoever can control that line of scrimmage and, and probably whichever team runs the ball the best and doesn't turn it over. You know, that's cliche, but that's who's going to win the game. So that, That's um, been the difference in, in the Seahawks games as of late, Joe. In the four games that Kirk Ferentz has played, Matt Campbell, Iowa has yet to turn the ball over. That's pretty incredible. And, and some of those have been very close games, including two years ago, a, a one-point win in Ames. Uh, how, how do you see this game going, I guess? How do you feel about this game? Uh, an Iowa State team that had to squeak by you and I, but we've, as Iowa fans, we've seen our teams do that uh, several times. So I'm not sure how much stock you put into that. Uh, a very hyped Iowa State team, I think, all the pressure is on the Cyclones this week. They need to win this game. If Iowa wins, it obviously puts us into another stratosphere, but uh, a loss I don't think you know hinders anything too much this season. So I think a lot of the pressure is on Iowa State. Uh, and, and, and you know Matt Campbell needs to get a win over Kirk Ferentz. That's the bottom line. Well, this is their year. I mean, you know, they, they brought all their players back. They got 19 out of 22 starters back. Um, you know, you're set at the quarterback position. Everything is set up. They've got the game at their place. I was just talking to a big cyclone booster and, uh, and I told, I just looked at him and I said, you don't win this year. You, 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 I, don't, I don't know when you're going to win. And, and he looked at me with big eyes and he said, I agree, Joe, we gotta, we gotta have it this year. So you're exactly right. That's a lot of pressure and a lot of anticipation. We're in a great position, right? I mean, this game, it's not meaningless. Don't get me wrong, but it's not, it's not meaningful towards our position uh, for a bowl game and really for, our position uh, in the Big Ten. We got off to the best start we could have ever got off to. Like you said, other West teams, they lost. And, you know, we're sitting with a with a one-game lead, and we got three games to uh, to get better before we play another Big Ten game. So we're, we're in a great spot right now. Win or lose this game. I hope we win, and I think we will. Um, I think it's going to come down to fourth quarter. Somebody's got to make a play and don't make a mistake in the fourth quarter, you know, how about a score prediction? What, what do you think is going to happen Saturday afternoon? You know, I, you got to think that it's going to be a low-scoring game. Yep. Um, unless one team gets some turnovers and 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 gets up, you know, gets up ten points or something like that. Well, then the other team's got to open it up and they got to start taking some chances and going down the field. But I, I really see something like a seventeen thirteen or a twenty to seventeen type game. Um, I think both coaches coach the same way. They want control of the ball. They want field position. Um, you know, they're not lighted up, take a whole bunch of chances. So I think it's going to be a close game. I think it's going to be hard fought and, uh, win the turnover battle. I think you win the game. You know, all off season, Joe, I think uh, most Iowa fans, myself included, were a little tentative about this year, especially with these first two games and, and really that first game, that Indiana game. We didn't know what to expect. And then having seen what Iowa did to Indiana and then what the rest of the Big Ten West did, um, it really kind of changes things. And, and now I think Iowa might be in the driver's seat here. Obviously, Wisconsin will have something to say about that. I think Minnesota, even though they lost their their stud running back, will you know they'll, they'll be good. Northwestern's always a challenge. I mean, you know how the Big Ten West is. It's it's never easy, but have you moved into this space where the expectation now is for Iowa to win the Big Ten West and get back to Indianapolis? I don't know if that's the expectation. I mean, I think it's—I think you're certainly more hopeful right now than we were 
a week ago, right? Um, uh, that was a surprising knockout blow early. Uh, we got some turnovers. Things went our way. Their quarterback was obviously still a little bit hurt. He's not as mobile as he was. Um, so I don't, I don't think I've got expectations were going to be there, but I've got a lot more hope and uh, more optimism than I had going than I had a week ago. Um, that that we got a good shot at getting to Indianapolis. So long road ahead of us. Yes. Injuries. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? But uh, I, I certainly love the way we played. What's going on with the? We looked good. What's going on with the Polk County Eye Club? How can uh, people get involved there if uh, if they want to? Yeah, run over to uh, the front row. They'll have a big game watch over there uh, this weekend, and uh, get involved there. Talk to anybody there about the Polk County Eye Club, and uh, should be a great time. And we'll be doing a lot of our game watches there. So. If you're not doing anything and you want to come out for an away game, uh, go on over to uh, the front row. Uh, it's in Clive, about a hundredth and Swanson. Great okay. place to great place to watch a game. It's, it's like a it's like a Hawkeye museum. It's such a cool spot. Yep, it is very cool. Very cool. Joe Schmelka, thank right, you buddy. so much for uh, joining me, man. I appreciate it, and uh, go Hawks. All right, go Hawks. Thanks, Andrew. Bye now. That is Joe Schmelka. I am Andrew Downs, and this is the Hawkeye Nation radio show. When we come back, Trent Condon rejoins me as we preview the Cyhawk game here on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM. Welcome back to the Hawkeye Nation radio show here on KXNO. I'm Andrew Downs and bringing back in my guy Trent Condon to uh, do a little preview of a big, big game this weekend. Iowa, Iowa State, number 10 at number 9, Jack Trice Stadium, college game day in town. Everything is on the line. It finally feels like this rivalry has kind of grown up and, uh, and gotten some national attention here, Trent. It's great, and it's been fun watching from afar just kind of what it came out of Iowa City earlier in this week. Tyler Goodson's comments about yeah. it being their Super Bowl. I got a kick out of it. I know some Hawkeye fans didn't like to see that. Hey, you don't need any bulletin board material. Those kind of things. I laughed. I, I got a kick out of it. I had no problem with it. AD, did it bother you? No, I loved it. I, that, see, that's the kind of stuff that, to me, makes this fun. And I get... I, I guess I don't understand the bulletin board stuff because I, I'm of the mindset that these guys know what's being said. They know what they think of each other. They're on social media. They they understand how, how these games are talked about. And I don't believe that uh, they need a little extra motivation, right? Mm-hmm. I don't believe that, you know, Brock Purdy is trying harder today because Tyler Goodson said this is Iowa State Super Bowl. To me, this makes it fun. I like when George Niang blows kisses to the student section. I like when Jordan Bohannon leaves shoes at, at you know center court at Hilton. And I like when Tyler Goodson, you know, use and I, I'm not even sure he understands the nerve he touches when he uses the word right. Super Bowl because mm-hmm. that's been like a decades long thing. Um, that, that, that really triggers some Iowa State fans. Uh, but even even if he didn't fully understand that, I enjoy that kind of stuff. You know, and to think of that in bulletin board material, think of the Iowa coaching staff. And after the game two years ago over in Ames, and they do the trick play against Iowa's fifth string cornerback, Matt Campbell, and there is a great video of it, says they think they're so blanking smart. And he's yep. staring down the Iowa sideline. You think that doesn't piss off Kirk Ferentz? You don't think the coaching staff of Iowa remembers that moment? That's not bulletin board material for them. Campbell over there trying to stare them down, and Iowa State still loses that football game. (laughs) You don't think that that is something that is motivating that coaching staff in Iowa City? So, yeah, it's bulletin board material. They'll put it up. I'm sure it'll be a conversation, but Iowa's got plenty of their own. As we talked about at the top here of the show today, there has been every kind. You don't think the Sam Laporta 
probably has got the press clippings that everything Charlie Kohler's got right. here, that Brock Purdy has had, that Tyler Goodson yeah. himself looks at Brees Hall and Absolutely. all the accolades he has, yes. and Tyler Goodson doesn't say, I think I'm a better running back, and I'm going to show it on Saturday. I was got their own set of motivation here. This is not a one-sided thing just because of one comment from Tyler Goodson. Iowa State sneaks past you and I, a 16-10 to 10 game. I didn't watch a ton of this game, Trent, but the, the, the kind of overwhelming thought that came out of it was Iowa State didn't look great, but at no time did you really think they were in danger of losing that game. Now, it's hard to say that, I think, with, with you and I having the ball down six right. late in the game. I mean, you you are in literally in danger of losing that game at that point. Um, how much stock do you put into that kind of dud of an opener for Iowa State? A little bit. And of some of the past kind of concerns or questions about Iowa State showed up. One thing I was really surprised by is they didn't tackle well. Right. They, and this defense is good. And I think I was going to have some issues moving the football against this defense because it's very talented and very good. And what they do schemes very well against what Iowa wants to do offensively. They're much like Wisconsin, though, a different kind of formation with a 3-3-5 stack that Iowa State runs. They got guys slanting all over the place. The guys got cutting in, much like Wisconsin's 3-4, where you got linebackers kind of coming free, and it's difficult in the zone scheme. And the offensive line for Iowa talked about this this week. It's very hard to get in the zone scheme to the second level against this kind of defensive lineman. But that was one surprise that came out to me, is just how poorly they tackled that football game from Iowa State. The other thing that jumped up is the offensive line for Iowa State was not good. And... This is a group, you know, Sean Foster's been around now for six years. I know his dad played at Iowa. I Iowa never offered, and that was a point of contention for Sean Foster. This is a big motivational game for him. But that offensive line, they got some pieces I really like. Trevor Downing is a yeah. guy that Iowa really wanted. I think he's really good, but he rated out as the worst guy at Pro Football Focus this week for them. Offensive line did not play very well, and I think that at least gives me more hope going into this game because it wasn't that I bought the hype. I didn't for Iowa State this year. I thought they were going to be good, not great. But I just didn't like the matchup for Iowa coming into the season. I'm much more confident that Iowa can find a way to get a victory now than it was before that game against you and I for Iowa State. I just think that the pieces are in place there. Iowa State did not look good. Here's another thing. The Iowa State team you saw last Saturday compared to the one you'll see this Saturday is going to be completely different. They're going to have a set of plays. They're going to be ready to go. They were very vanilla. They're going to open it up a lot more. So if you anticipate that's the same team you're going to see, I got bad news for you. Iowa State is going to play so much better on Saturday. Yeah, it's going to be a much different game, and and it's going to be fun to watch. Uh, So you you mentioned the the offensive line of Iowa State, and we mentioned in our first segment the kind of uh, good play, quality play that that Iowa got out of the defensive line, a a unit that we had a lot of questions about coming in. The coaches had a lot of questions about. They played a bunch of guys, and for the most part against Indiana, they they really held their own. Uh, So that's going to be a real interesting kind of point uh, between the you know that line of scrimmage when Iowa State's on offense, when the Hawkeyes are on defense. I like Iowa's defense um, to to kind of hold Iowa State here. I don't expect the Cyclones to break this streak of you know holding teams under twenty five points. Uh, where do you think that that Iowa State has a distinct advantage over Iowa in this game? I think it's a quarterback spot, yeah. and that's the one place that I go. Brock Purdy. He has his own limitations. He you does, know, and he's he's not he's not very careful with the ball at times. Right. I mean, he's that he he can make big mistakes. He. More than anything, it's arm strength that that pops up to me. And it's going to be, it looks like a very hot day. I don't know how that plays into it. But when you look at the quarterback spot, we talked about Petrus at the top. I have my concerns about him. But when Purdy is able to just move around a little bit, 
and get those third and five plays. He gets out of the pocket and he gets seven. Those kind of plays can be incredibly frustrating. I think Iowa has a linebacking crew that can slow that down a little bit. But more than anything, it's those chunk plays. It's not the deep balls up the sideline. They'll take a couple of shots, I'm sure, with Hutchinson. Good wide receiver. He's really, really talented. I don't know how much they have outside of him. And also Charlie Kohler. They they got the pieces there. But when you look at one spot, I don't say it's a wash, but big advantages anywhere I don't see except the quarterback spot. But like you said, Purdy can make his own mistakes. He can get revved up, and he can can look really, really bad at times. The Iowa defense... They can frustrate a quarterback as we saw last week. So that's the one that I would give big double check mark to Iowa State. But there's a caveat you got to put in. Purdy's not a perfect quarterback either. Where do you give Iowa a double check mark advantage, if anywhere, in this it, game? It's definitely special teams. Yeah. Not just starting at the punter position. And Torrey Taylor had two punts that were just so close to being an absolute Epic. It's funny that we're at the point where we're almost disappointed with him, like kicking fifty-nine yard punts because they <laughs> bounce at the you know one yard deep in the end zone. Yeah, that's where we are because he's that good. Rivera is average at best. They're punter, so advantage Iowa there. The kicking spot, Iowa State kickers. I mean, this has been a conversation for two decades. And Shaggy's game against Iowa side, he was not very good. Same thing with the Sally. He's all right. They brought in this Mavis kid from Fordham who's got a strong leg. We'll see if he's got to kick a 51-yarder in pressure, and I was up 17-16. Yeah, the pressure is the, the key. Yeah, we'll, we'll see exactly how he's, he is in that kind of circumstance. So, Shudek looked great. We've heard nothing but great things about him. He's a kickoff specialist for Iowa, and he was good. His dad was a kicker for Iowa State, scored all nine points and a 57-9 <laughs> victory for the Hawkeyes back in the 80s against the Cyclones. And he said this week that he talked to his dad a little bit about kicking Jack Trice. Jack Trice of the 1980s, built a little bit differently than yes. the Jack Trice of today. Yes. But uh, kind of a fun storyline there. And even the return game. Right? Iowa State doesn't return punts. They just don't. And the kick return game, I think everything special teams-wise points Iowa's way. If they can turn that into a big advantage, not just field goal kicking, punting, but make a special teams play, maybe have two guys run into each other on a punt return and get a fumble, do something like that again. Yeah, double check mark then for the Hawkeyes. Yeah, and I would also put, and I, you know, this is no disrespect to, to Matt Campbell or that coaching staff, who I think are doing a very good job and obviously are, are highly respected coaches, but I think Iowa has an advantage in the in the coaching staff, if only because uh, Kirk Ferentz has been in this game. And the way Iowa has won this game over the last four or five years and, and the four against Campbell, I mean, Iowa has yet to turn the ball over against yeah. Matt Campbell. That's wild. That's a crazy stat. Four games, no turnovers. So just like this, the steady nature of this team, you know, Matt Campbell in a lot of ways is trying to be what Kirk Ferentz is mm-hmm. uh, and, you know, probably a better version of that. And he he might not ad- admit to that, but the, the way he has built his team, the way he's built this program and the kind of philosophy that they have is very similar to what Iowa has. And it works a lot. It also causes a lot of frustration. Uh, you can lose a lot of games on just small plays here and there because almost every game is close. You don't blow teams out. You don't get blown out. And so it really comes down to kind of those detail things, the special teams, uh, the, the discipline. We saw that against Indiana. I mean, how many penalties did they have that, that really kind of hindered them? And we've seen that in the four wins that Kirk Ferentz has over Matt Campbell, that Iowa has been the more disciplined team, uh, the, the team less prone to make mistakes, and just kind of solid everywhere. Not great anywhere, maybe, but solid everywhere. And that's been the difference uh, in, in these Cyhawk games lately. That's, I think, a great way to put it, is those little things, the things that... Kirk Ferentz, he continually talks about just those small little details. There's a guy that's not more detail-oriented. You bring up a player from 1980 when he's offensive line coach at Pitt. Oh, yeah, and he'll go down and he'll, he's got a story for it. Yep. His memory, 
it is incredible, his recollection and his understanding of those little parts, understanding that the way Iowa built has to be a little bit different. You're not going to be Penn State, Michigan. You have to do things a little bit differently. It's led to the success that they have had. It's led to a program that is consistent as anybody in college football, maybe short of Alabama, at a different level. But the consistency is there year in and year out. And you're right. And Iowa State fans hate to hear this. But Matt Campbell is building and trying to build what Iowa football is. Yes. I remember a conversation that was made with uh, Haycock, the defensive coordinator. And when they got there, they wanted to do basically what Iowa did. A lot of cover two, cover four stuff. Basically cover four, going to play quarters all across the field. They're going to do what Iowa defense. And then they got to the Big 12 and said, well, we can't do that. So they adapted. They changed. And now they put put together a defense that people across the country come. Not just watch Monday night, Ole Miss Louisville. And they're talking about you know the defensive staff for Ole Miss coming up there. The New England Patriots came to <laughs> Iowa State three years ago to figure out what they were doing defensively to slow down spread offenses that was filtering into the NFL. It's a really good coaching staff in itself, but they do things, though a different way because of the conference they reside in, very similar to Iowa football. It's going to be a heck of a game, man. Uh, Do do you want to give a prediction? Is this, I know you you do this on the radio. We can can hold off on that. No, no, well, prediction time for me. Ultimately, it comes down to Spencer Petras, and I just don't have the belief that he can win this football game for Iowa. It is going to be a completely incredible charged up environment. And as I talked about earlier, the way he gets so revved up. Yeah. Go back to last year against Wisconsin when Amir Smith Marset does a flip into the end zone and he was asked afterwards, and what do you think? I, I was too busy celebrating. I didn't even see him do the flip. <laughs> like he just and that kind of almost vapor lock of the brain that happens to him, that's where my concern is. This is going to be something he has never seen before in his career. And because of that I'll take the advantage we talked about at the quarterback spot. Iowa State wins it 2013. I'm going the other way. I think uh, I, I don't think Spencer Petras is going to need to win this game. Uh, I think the defense and the special teams and just kind of the attention to detail that I alluded to a little bit ago uh, will carry the day for the Hawkeyes. I think it's a low-scoring game also. I think it'll be something like 20-13, to 13, uh, but I like the Hawks to come out of this 2-0. Trent, thank you, man. We're going to do this each and every Thursday. I appreciate you and uh, and excited to, to see all the gambling stuff and everything yeah. that you bring to, uh, to Hawkeye Nation. Yeah, speaking of the gambling part, yeah, definitely take the under this week. Yes. That, that's my favorite <laughs> bet of the weekend, 46 and a half. Here's another uh, fun one I, I found online at one of the shops here in Iowa. Tie. Game goes oh. to overtime. 16 to 1. You can get that at FanDuel. Oh, wow. I like that one a lot. So I'll be jumping aboard there. We get overtime. Even if Iowa falls short in OT, at least I got a couple of bucks coming my way. There you go. This has been the Hawkeye Nation radio show here on KXNO. Thank you for listening. Uh, check out all of the work at HawkeyeNation.com. This will be up if you missed any of this on the podcast feed there. And then obviously we'll have uh, all of the coverage Saturday for a big, big Cy-Hawk game. Thank you for listening and go Hawks.